Good morning, good morning, good morning, 1045. So good to see you this morning. How's everybody feeling today? Good, 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 good. How many of you need some coffee? No, coffee's terrible. Stunt your growth. Uh, I'm not a coffee drinker, it, um, and that becomes a thing. Thank you. Jeff Westlow, praise God for you. I knew I loved you, brother. It all tastes the same, like burnt tar water. Anyway, I won't get into that. That's going to cause division and a church split. Well, it's so good to see you. Thank you guys for being here today. My name's Journey, and it's my joy to be the pastor here. And you've caught us in the middle of a series where we're talking about faith. And we're talking about the kind of faith that, that God wants us to have, the kind of faith that it, it requires um, in order to be able to, um, to see God do some, some amazing, some unique, some incredible things. Here's one of the things that I have learned uh, in my 37 years of being a person um, that I've, I've, never, I've learned that I've never met somebody who doesn't want life to get better. Whatever it is today, I've never met somebody who doesn't want it to be better. I've never met someone who says, you know what? It's all downhill from here. When it comes to my career, my marriage, my relationship with my, my spouse, my kids, it's all downhill from here. I just know it's going to get worse. I don't really want it to get any better. I've never met anybody that has thought that. Now, the incredible thing about that is that when we read the Bible, we see that it's actually God's desire that our lives get better as well. In fact, Jesus said that when he came, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about um, th th this thing, because I think that even though it's hardwired into most of our desire for life to grow and get better, and even though it's Jesus's desire to help our lives to get better and to improve, there is a disconnect somewhere. And I believe that for a lot of us, there is, there is this one thing where this disconnect takes place. There's a lot of other roadblocks along the way, but at the root of it, at the core of it, there's this one place of disconnect. And because there's this one place of disconnect because there's this this one thing that we get wrong so oftentimes it prevents us from being able to have the kind of relationship with God where we actually learn that we can trust him that when he says that he is good or like we sung about today that he has good plans we we question that and we doubt that and I believe that one of the reasons why is because there's this one thing that so many of us have a tendency to miss out on and because we miss out on it we miss out on understanding what it is that Jesus wants to do in our lives because we never come to the place of trusting him enough to let him lead us to the abundant life that he said that he wants us to have. And before I tell you what that one thing is, I want to I establish the bedrock that we're going to stand on today. Um, we're going to stand on two verses in the Bible that's going to serve as the platform for what, for what we're going to talk about today. Because we're going to talk about the one thing that can change everything. And what I want to start with is I want to start with Hebrews chapter 11 and it says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is, he is what? He is God. And that he, that's God, is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So in this verse, we learn that God is saying, listen, faith is a non-starter for me. If we don't, if you don't have faith in me, then it's going to be difficult for us to have the relationship that we really want to have. Here's what we know on human, on the human scale. Trust is the building block of every relationship. It's not love. It's not whether or not I like you. At the core of it, trust is the building block of every relationship. And when it comes to our relationship with God, Trust is spelled F-A-I-T-H, faith. 
Now I want you to see that not only is God saying that if you want to have a relationship with me, if you want to please me, then you got to have faith. But I want you to notice what God also says. God also says that if you have faith in me, if you believe in me that I am who I say I am, I can do what I said I can do, then here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to be a rewarder for those who are willing to have that kind of faith. Well, what does that reward look like? And let me introduce the second verse that we're going to stand on today. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, when it says this, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So what is he saying? He's saying that God is is able. Let me hear you say the word able. God is able to do incredible things. And here's what God is able to do. He is able to do not just what we ask or not just what we think. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we ask, exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could even think about. And the way that he does that, the tell end of that verse says, he does it according to his power that works in us. What is this power that works in us? This is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. When you place your trust in Jesus for salvation, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And so the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We have this power at work in us. But here's the thing. The power of the Spirit of God cannot be unleashed until we take steps of faith and trust, believing that God can do what he said he can do. And so for a lot of us today, and here's where I want to kind of anchor this whole thing down. For a lot of us today, we don't experience this Ephesians 3.20 context in relationship with God, not because God is not able. We don't experience this because oftentimes we are not willing. We are not willing to trust God. We are not willing to take steps of faith in God. And what I want to help you see today is that in one of the most practical, tangible ways, God is going to speak to this one thing that if we would get this one thing right, it would open the door for us to learn more about how trustworthy God is. It would open the the door for us to learn more how faithful God is. And it would allow us to be able to develop more of a relationship with him. Because for a lot of us, a lot of us, especially if you've been with us these last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of a never settled faith that's always believing in God for the impossible. The reality of it is, is that a lot of us are never able to get to the place of believing that God can do impossible things, believing God can bring healing and reconciliation and restoration in broken relationships, believing that God can bring healing to our diseases, believing that God can lead us and give us wisdom on how to navigate decisions. The reason why we oftentimes fail to be able to see that is because we don't believe and we don't trust in God. And so God's going to give us one thing today. One thing. That what is the one thing that keeps most of us from fully trusting in God? And I believe for the overwhelming majority of us in the room and for those tuning in online, I believe the one thing that hinders us and keeps us from fully trusting God is your relationship with your money. Now, I I get it. I know that we're at church, and right now someone just thought, oh, Lord, he's going to talk about money again. Church just wants my money. I'm tired of hearing about that. But if you'll stay with me today, here's what I want to help you see. I want you to see today that when it comes to your money, God doesn't want your money. 
God doesn't need your money because God doesn't want anything from you. Instead, if you'll, if you'll lean into the text today that I'm going to share with you, what you are going to understand today is that it's not, when it comes to our money, it's not something that God wants from us. There's something that he wants for us. And because of our relationship with our money, we lose out on the many things that God wants for us because for most of us, we have a losing relationship with our money. I want to illustrate it this way, and I'm going to need a little bit of help. I'm going to need one volunteer from the class to come up and help me today. In the first service, someone just jumped up and started coming up here. So um, I will call someone out, but I would prefer, come on up here, brother. Come on. Come on. Give it up for him. Give it up for him. Give it up for him. Now, for the people who don't know, tell everybody who you are. Uh, Felix. Felix. He said that nice and loud. I like that. All right. Felix, here's the deal. Can you scoot back just a second? I gotta, I, I've got some, some things here i got to get into. Felix, what you're going to do today is you are going to illustrate the normal person. Okay? Because here's the deal. Most of us, what we're going to illustrate is how most of us interact with money. Now, this right here, this little bowl, vase, whatever this is called, this represents bills. Praise God. How many of you are thankful for bills? Ooh. This one represents bills. And this one right here, this one right here, this one represents a uh, future, like savings and retirement. How many of you are thankful for that? Those are the people close to it. And then, and then this one, this one represents fun. Come on, how many of you are thankful for some fun? Yeah. Now here's the thing. In life, Felix, in life, what happens is, and you're reflecting just a normal, average person, right? In life, we are all going to have to deal with bills. We're all going to have to deal with how are we preparing for the future? Because even though I might be working now, I don't want to always work until I die. And all of us are going to want to have some fun along the way. And this right here, let me give you this. This right here, well, this represents... This represents your, 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 your capacity to receive money. All right, now can you hold that for me just a second? Now here's something, Felix, I don't know if your mom told you this, but my mom told me this, that anytime I'm in a situation where I got some things in life that need to be filled up with money and it's kind of barking at me and kind of chasing me down and I'm kind of feeling the pressure of it, there is one great, amazing, incredible place to go in order to be able to resolve that problem. You know what that, where that place is? Work. Work is a great place to go because when you, you, you show up and you do a thing and then they give you money for it. It's amazing. And the better you are, the more they pay you. The more you show up, the more they pay you. And it just kind of goes from there. So Felix, here's the deal. Brother, I, I want you in this bucket right here. Y'all can't hear. Let me help them see because they're over there and they can't see all that. I got a bucket over. This is work. Okay. All right. So Felix, if you can, could you just do me an honor? Can you go to work just one time for us? Going to work. Felix has gone to work. Look at him. He's gone to work. He's got some money in his pocket. Now, Felix, I would love for you to be able to take that money and do all the fun stuff that you want. Maybe you're super savvy, right? Like I've had conversations with your dad. He's told me about all you're doing with your business. And listen, brother man is, is hustling, right? Mad respect for him and what he's doing, like multiple businesses, I believe. All right. And I'd love for you to be able to take it with all the fun. But the problem with all the fun is you got stuff that you got cell phone, you got cars, you're here with your girlfriend, you, you know, she wants to go do something. Right. And so, so you got stuff you got to do. So here's what I'd like for you to think about. All right. Bills, future, fun. I'd like for you to think about, and this is totally up to you. This is your paycheck. I would like for you to empty out into these three, kind of however you think like the average person thinks about 
sending their money? How much are they going to send to bills? How much are they going to send to future? How much are they going to send to fun? And you just kind of, it's totally up to you. Yeah, huh? yeah, you yeah, absolutely feel a little more, man. You worked overtime, bro. Like, I get it. I love it. That's why he's crushing it at work right now in his businesses. All right, so go for it. All right, so he's he's got some he got some bills that's got to get paid. Yeah, he's thinking about it. Maybe a few more bills, and he found out. Oh, and he's got future. Look at it. that's a that's a wise man right there. Yeah, now now you know date night and and you know all that. There we go. Awesome. I love that. That's great. That probably reflects how a lot of us do that. But I don't know if you notice, but you got a problem. You know what the problem is? A lot of bills. You still got more bills to get to get paid. You know what? You know what you can do? Work more. You can go back to work. Go back to work, right? And so now we got, we still have some month left at the end of our money. Here's paycheck number two, right? So he's going now, now he's realizing, well, you know, and I really got to kind of pay those bills and uh, for the future. And, I, you know, I'm talking about a Roth IRA account and investment already. That's awesome. And Felix, I think you've done a great job here, but there's still a problem. You know what the problem is? Got to work, man. Well, you still have more bills. So we got, you're going to go back to work, right? Because that's what we do. We, got, we feel the pressure of the bills. And finally, he's just trying to get to the point where like, dear Lord, get off my back. Stinking bill company, right? Right? And so, and so this is what happens. Now, now here's, here's the other thing that happens because some of us, some of us, and I'm sure this isn't anybody in here, we've got our bills and we've got a future and our fund. But some of us, we do this thing where, where our eyes are bigger than our paycheck. And we get over leveraged buying stuff on credit. Now, not all credit is bad credit. Not all debt is bad debt, but we got to be smart about it. But sometimes, I, I mean, how many of you have ever made stupid decisions with zeros behind it, right? So, so Venus, I got to tell you, I, I would love to tell you this is kind of all that there is, but the problem was, and you didn't do that. I know you wouldn't do this, but, but, but you got a car payment that you ain't paid that yet. And they're expecting that to get paid. And, and, and you got, you know, uh, 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 you got rent and you hadn't been able to pay yet because, because, well, you had a bunch of other things that you, you got your coffee in here and you got your gym membership. I mean, come on, brother. You good. Right. And he flexed a little bit when I did that. He's trying to intimidate me. I got it. And, and, and so you got a whole bunch of things in here, but the problem is, is you, you, you got, you got debts that still have to get paid, not just bills that need to get paid. And so what you got to do, work more. you got to go back to work. So then I go back to work and now, now we just trying to figure, I ain't got time to handle these things because I got, I got debt. Go ahead and go and pay that, those debts off, brother. Right? Because now I got debts to get paid. I ain't trying to, I can't have fun right now. We're going to have to go on date night next month because I got, you know, bills are getting paid and it, and it will, what happened? It's overfilling. It's overfilling. Is that, is that like, does that bring you like a, like a lot of peace and comfort right there? No. Now, I don't know the kind of person you are, but I did this in the first service and someone came up to me and said, I got to tell you, I'm a really type A kind of person. And when the balls were overflowing, it freaked me out. (laughs) Because here's what happens. Because of the decisions that we make, we end up we end up living our lives with this sense of, of, of kind of panic and peace and going, and you can try to get a few more. Just, yeah, yeah, right? And it, and it creates chaos. And then here's what happens. Then everybody comes to church and then we find out that there's actually one more bucket. And this bucket, that's the bucket that belongs to God. Now see, what happened was is we done poured everything out here 
and I still ain't got everything paid. And now I'm looking at this going, my life is chaotic and panicked. I got all kinds of stress. I got financial burdens. I'm stressed out. I did some investment. I'm feeling really good about where I'm at there. I'm kind of starting. And you know, we having a good time, but I still got more bills that need to be paid. And, and, and now you're telling me I'm supposed to figure out, okay. Well, you do it. It's your money. I'm not going to, preacher man, I'm not going to do it. There ain't nothing in there. And this right here, this represents most of us in our relationship with our money. Felix, I appreciate you, brother. And I'm going to call you back up at the end, so don't go anywhere. Don't leave early or anything like that. All right, give it up for my man, Felix. And so this represents, and what's at stake is, it's not just whether or not everything gets paid. What's at stake when we live this way, it's our emotional and mental well-being. It's our physical well-being. Stuff causing us to lose sleep at night because I got all the pressure and all the pressure and I got more stuff that's got to get paid and, and I got more people knocking on my door and I got I to go here and I got to buy them a wedding gift and I got a birthday gift. And dear Lord, everybody, kids got birthday and everybody expect $50 birthday gifts. Where did that come from? I don't know, but I got all this stuff that I got to do. And so we live with this panic and this stress. And this is not at all what God wants for you. What God wants for you and what he wants for me is not to live in a state of financial panic, not to live in a state of financial bondage, not to live in a state of financial stress. He wants us to live in a place of financial peace where we can begin to have confidence to know I got plenty of money to cover the bases that I need to cover this month. problem is, is most of us think that when we get in this situation, I mean, we done learned about it. I mean, where do I go when things get tough? I go back to work. I go back to work and fill it up and back to work and fill it up and back to work and fill it up because we have been led to believe that the solution out of this problem is just getting more money in the bucket. But I want to help you see today is that the solution, like you can go get a second job and, and maybe you're in a season where you got to, you got some short-term things that have coming on you. A great place to go is go to work, get an extra J-O-B and help pay for it. But when I'm talking about for our life, for a long-term span, that, 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 that making more money doesn't fix this problem. We can make more money, but if we have the same priorities, we just make a bigger mess. And thankfully, God, in all of his wisdom, said, I don't want you to live this way. And so he has given us some truths and some principles in his word to help guide us in how we approach our relationship with money. So I want to share some principles with you. The first principle is this, that where your money flows reveals where your worship goes. Where your money flows reveals where your worship goes. If you were to take an assessment of where all of your money is going, it would, it would tell you where your worship's going. Now, if you're here today and you don't, you don't really know where you are on this whole God and Jesus and faith and church thing, then this idea of where your worship goes, it may not matter to you. And that's okay. We're glad that you're here. Keep showing up. I believe that God will show you that he's good and he's worth it and that it's going to cost you something, but it's going to be worth it. But for those of us who are here today that are followers of Jesus, this idea of where my money flows, revealing where my worship goes, whoa. Because for some of us, if we were to take an honest assessment, we would, it would reveal that I might say that my worship is going to Jesus, but in reality, my money is flowing where my worship is going, and my worship is flowing towards status, towards identity, Towards, towards having things because I got to keep up with somebody. My money flow will reveal that my worship is going to, to, to worship leisure. Like I just, I, I want to live on easy street. 
I'm not going to do anything hard. I'm not going to do anything complicated. I'm not going to do anything difficult. I want to I do everything I can. I want to have all of the amenities and all of the things to make life as simple and as easy as possible because I don't want to have to do anything hard. Some of us, and this one's going to feel counterintuitive, some of us, if we evaluated where our money flows, we would, we would reveal that our worship is going to worship our family over God. We spend all of our time and our talent and our money getting our kids into these extracurricular activities or, or we prioritize, well, we got to do this vacation. We said that we were going to take the kids to Disney by the time they're this age. Doesn't matter if I got the money for it. That's what we said we were going to do. And what happens is all of these things is that it, it seems like they're just things. It seems like it's just no big deal. It just seems like, well, I've got to have a cup of coffee every day and I've got to go to Starbucks and pay eight twenty four for it. But if you dive a little deeper, if you peel the onion back, what it would reveal is, is that cup of coffee, that vacation, um, the, the, the decisions made about buying this, acquiring that, wearing a certain brand, that, that it's actually revealing that it's not just things that feel nice and convenient and fun, they're actually idols that you are worshiping because you are allocating so much money towards those things that there's very little about your money that reveals that you're worshiping God. I want you to notice what Jesus says about this. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your treasure is constantly flowing to all of these things and there's no part of your treasure that is going to God, well, then that's revealing what you're trusting in more than God. It's revealing what you're worshiping more than God. It's revealing what you need in your life more than what you think you need God. Because where your money flows reveals where your worship goes. Listen, I get it. For some of us, we're just trying to make ends meet. And so we, 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 you know, Jessica and I have been in seasons like this. We, we got to cut back and, and different things at different times. But, but, but for most of us, for most of us, it's not a matter of just making ends meet. It, it, the reality of it is, is the financial stress we have isn't because we're trying to make ends meet of all of our necessities. It's because we have elevated, we have so, grown so accustomed to worshiping these idols that we have elevated them as a need and not a want. And in so doing, we're blocking God out of the equation. Jesus is trying to help us see the one thing that we've got to get right is our relationship with our money because if our relationship with our money constantly says that our money and our idols are our master and we're going to constantly make a way for us to get money to those things and not be able to give money to God, then it's telling us that, 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 that our relationship with our money is wrong because our relationship with God is off. And we're not taking the steps to trust God with our money. Most of us, if the statistics are correct, have some varying level of a losing relationship with our money. Because our financial picture would not be defined as financial peace. And so what I want to help you see today is that if you want to have a different relationship with your money, then you and I need to spend some time understanding what God's relationship with money is. Here's the second principle. When it comes to money, really when it comes to everything, it all belongs to him. You ever thought about that? 
You ever thought about your money, your clothes, your things, your house, your, 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 your 401k, your retirement, your bank account, your, your nice things, your busted things, your busted things that you need to replace with nicer things? That all of it is God's. I want you to notice what the book of Deuteronomy says, chapter 10, verse 14. It says, look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it. What's that word? All belong to the Lord your God. You see, this is where we get it twisted because we think, no, 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 I'm not really sure that belongs to God. I mean, last I checked, I'm the one that got up in the morning. I'm the one that put my, my boots on. I'm the one, I don't want to say boots. I don't ever wear boots. I'm the one that put my work tennis shoes on. I'm the one that showed up to work. I'm the one that worked hard. I'm the one that earned the paycheck. I'm the one that did all this. And so now that I did it, I earned it. I got it. I'm going to go spend it the way that I want to. Or maybe, maybe you, you're, you're, you're a business owner. You're thinking like, that, that stuff doesn't come out of nowhere. I'm the one that came up with the idea of the good or the product or the service that I can offer. And I just convince people that they need it. So they'll spend their money on my thing. And that puts money in my pocket. It's mine. But have you ever stopped to consider where did you get the ability to be able to physically do the work that positions you to earn the money? Where did you have the opportunity to be able to have the, the brain capacity and the mental capacity and the intelligence to be able to go to school or to go to training or to pick something up and DIY it and figure it out on your own or learn it on YouTube and to be able to turn that and monetize it into something that puts money in your pocket. Where did that come from? Because you did not do that. You, you may have gone through the process, but you were able to go through the process because of the God that created you with the physical ability and the mental aptitude to be able to do those things. It all belongs to the Lord. It doesn't matter if you went and earned it, you were on your grind and you secured the bag. It doesn't matter any of that. What matters is, is that you and I understand that it all belongs to God. And that God's desire is for us to have, in order for us to have the kind of relationship with him that positions us to experience that whole Ephesians 3.20 thing, we have to understand that God is not beholden to money in any way. In fact, God's perspective of money is that it's about this big. It's so insignificant and so small that he doesn't really even care that much about it. In fact, when you read the Bible, that money and finances and wealth and riches is so insignificant that in heaven, they take our most valued prized possession, which is gold, and they take it and they pave streets with it. God goes, I ain't worried about money. I don't need money. What is money to the God who went light and there was light, who went stars, planets, earth, flowers, duck-billed platypus, elephant, ants, worm, dog, cat, mouse, rat, what is money to the God who speaks things into existence? You see, God wants us to understand that we get so obsessed over money that we miss out on what he is obsessed about. What he is obsessed about is you and having a relationship with you. But in our obsession of going back on our grind and back to the grindstone, back to work and back to work, bills got to get paid, kids need shoes, people got to eat, all this stuff, that we miss out on the relationship that God wants to have with us. So the first thing we got to know, or the second thing we got to know is that it all belongs to God. The third thing we got to know is that God wants us to put him first in everything, especially 
in our finances. And for most of us, this right here is the step of faith and trust that we've got to take. Because we don't like the idea of putting God first. Like, God, you can be first in my thoughts. Um, I might even be willing to give you the first 15 minutes of my day where I'm going to sit down, I'm going to open my Bible or listen to some worship. That's fine. God, I'm willing to put you, I'm willing to put you first over my spouse. Lord, she needs you so much. Lord, I'm putting you first and I need you, but not as much as she needs you, Lord. She needs you bad. But we're so reluctant to put God first in our finances. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that, that almost every time that God talks really specifically about your money and what to do with it, he's going to provide instruction. And then as he does, he's going to provide a following and corresponding and conditional blessing associated with it. Notice what God says in Proverbs chapter three. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. He's speaking to a, a farming culture that understands that our livelihood is built on what's growing out in the fields. And when it's time for harvest, we got to move quick. We got to move now. And we're going to go bring in the harvest and then we're going we're gonna to eat it, we're going to sell it, we're going to trade with it, we're going to barter with it, and do all these things because this is our livelihood. And what God was telling them is, listen, I want you to take a different approach. Instead of just getting back into the rhythm of more work, more work, more work, pay the bills, meet the needs, do the things, all the things. And God is saying, listen, I want you to take the first fruits, the first of what you get, and I want you to bring it to me. Because what we do when we do that, when we bring of the first fruits to God, we're saying, God, I acknowledge that I wouldn't have any of it if it wasn't for you. Sure, I planted the seed in the ground, but you're the one who knows how to set the system up to make it grow when there's water on it. And so God, I'm taking what, I, what you have given me because it's all yours and I'm, I'm bringing the first portion of it to you as a sign of saying, God, thank you. Thank you, it's all yours and for whatever reason you have seen fit to give a portion of it to me and before I go and, and spend it on my bills and my fun and my future, I'm gonna take the first portion of it and I'm gonna give it back to you because my heart and my soul and my mind and my wants and my needs and my desire for safety and security and status and leisure and all of my hobbies is gonna to wanna to take all of it and go spend it on what I wanna spend it on and it's gonna constantly create a wedge of separation between you and me because I'm not trusting you with my fun with my money. And so what I need to do is I need to preach to myself that I'm bringing the first of what I give. And I'm saying, God, it is yours. You are the giver and the taker of life. You are the giver of every good gift. I am able to have this because you wired me and created me and positioned me in the place to be able to do this. So God, I'm giving it back to you. Thank you for entrusting it to me. And just so that I know and my heart can be reminded that it's all about you, I'm going to give the first portion of it back to you. And then secondarily, what you're doing is saying, God, so with everything that's left, would you give me favor to cover all the things that I need and some of the stuff that I'd like to do as well? And would you give me wisdom on how to make the decisions between the things I need and the things that I want? And what happens after this? The very next verse, God says, he says, bring the first fruits in of your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, you gotta understand what God is not saying here. God is not saying, here's the equation, class. Everybody listen up. If you take the first of what you give and you bring it to God, then God will give you more money than you know what to do with and then you will be healthy, wealthy, famous, and awesome. That's not what he's saying here. 
We've got to wrestle with this tension that God absolutely gives us blessings, but we've got to understand that most of the blessings that God gives us is not something that could be measured with a dollar bill or a dollar sign. And so what God is doing here in this promise in Proverbs 3 back then and in Proverbs 3 in our hearts and lives today is he is establishing what is a reasonable expectation that someone ought to have when they are willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you first. I'm going to worship you first. Before I do any of the other things that I like, that I need, that I enjoy, that I got to have, I'm coming to you first. And God is saying, when you do that, then you can reasonably expect that I'm going to give you the things that you need and the wisdom to navigate it so that you will always have what you need when you need it. When he says that all of this will be filled with plenty, it's not the idea that you are overflowing with riches. It's that there is plenty to cover what you need when you need it. So God wants us to understand that the more times we take steps of faith to trust God in our finances, the more we learn how trustworthy God is, the more our relationship with him grows. And as our relationship with him grows, the more we will see his power working exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think or imagine in our lives. And the fourth principle that God wants us to understand is he wants us to practice the tithe principle. What is the tithe principle? principle. If you grew up in church, you're familiar with this word tithe. Um, if not, then let me provide some background. The word tithe shows up for the very first time in the book of Genesis where a man named Abraham, who went on to become known as the father of the, of the, uh, the, the Jewish people, he has an encounter with this royal king. A lot of people think that it wasn't just a normal king, that it was actually Jesus that he came in contact with. And what Abraham does in response to coming in contact with this otherworldly king is he responds by giving a tithe of what he has, a tenth of what he has as a sign of deference, as a sign of respect, and as a sign of worship to the king. From that point throughout the rest of the scriptures, God uses this word tithe as a principle. This is not a sin issue that, that you've got to give um, a full 10%. That, that's, that's not really what's at stake here. Um, in fact, God, God, God isn't as concerned about whether or not you're giving a full 10% as he is about you responding in obedience to him inviting you to trust him in new ways with your finances. For some of us, we're not giving anything. And God says, listen, I want you to experience more in your relationship with me. And so just start somewhere. Maybe it's 1%. Maybe Maybe it's a half a percent, whatever it is. For others of us, that, that, that we've been giving 10%, and God's going to say, listen, I want you to trust me in more and new and awesome ways. I want you to give beyond 10%. So what I'm trying to help you see is that, that the percentage isn't nearly as significant as the heart issue because God is after our heart. He's after a relationship. He wants us to be in a place where we are able to learn to trust him again and again and again in new and incredible ways to put our faith in him, to worship him, because when we put our faith in him, it pleases him, and when we please him, he responds by blessing us with exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Does this make sense? The truth is that God wants us to understand that tithe, the issue of the tithe is not really about money at all. Notice what he says in Malachi chapter 3. He says this in verse 8. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. 
Then he says, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And listen, I, I almost didn't even read this part because this, this doesn't preach real, real nice and real pretty and go, get, this doesn't normally get a lot of people to say amen. But in these two verses, it reveals God's heart that it's not about the money. God is saying, listen, when you withhold from me your trust, you are telling me that you don't want a relationship with me. And, it's, and when you withhold it, you're, you're withholding tithes. I gave it to you. I'm just asking you to trust me with a little bit of it. And God is saying, listen, I can't have a relationship with somebody who is going to continually to steal from me. Now, it's not talking about salvation here. That's not what's in view. But what's in view is a growing relationship with God to grow in understanding more of who he is and what he can do. And then here again, similar principle, God is going to respond to this conversation about money by providing instruction and a blessing. Verse 10, he says, bring the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. This verse is telling us, where does, the, where does the tithe, where does our first fruits, where does it go? It goes to the storehouse. In the Old Testament, the storehouse was making a reference to a part of the temple. We don't have that system anymore because Jesus finished that system and he started a new thing called his church. And so the principle here is that God wants us to bring the first fruits of what we have, bring it into with the goal of eventually at some point getting to at least 10%, that we bring it into the church so that God can take it and use it and bless it and multiply it to bless other people and in so doing he blesses you i want to say something really clearly i'm not talking about this today because god needs your money i've already established that god doesn't need your money i'm not even talking about this today because the church needs your money listen if god who doesn't need our money he's the one leading this church he's the one in charge of this church and he is the one that says i will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory so the church doesn't really even need your money but you need something and what you need is to tap into and understand what the kind of relationship looks like for you to consistently see the ephesians 3:20 power of god at work in your life as you yield your wants and desires to the spirit of god and you walk in obedience by saying, God, when it comes to the most tangible thing in my life, which is my money, I'm going to say, I'm going to trust you first. And for a lot of us, we look at our situation and our financial situation, and I get it. We look at this and go, I don't, I don't, I don't have any more. And we begin to live with this idea and this belief, and I believe that it's a lie that we believe, that we believe that we can't afford to give to God. But let me tell you something. Here's what I've learned in my life. I, there have been times and seasons in my life where we've had to cut back on some things and we've had to dial it back and we've had to, we've had to say no to some luxuries and say no to some niceties. Listen, you know, when things last year got crazy with inflation and gas prices and groceries and I got, you know, five people and I eat enough for four of them, right? Like money didn't go quite as far. And so as we were tightening our budget, as we were making some different decisions, we began to come to this realization that we can't afford to not give to God. You go, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, let me illustrate it this way. Felix, can you come back up here, bud? Let me illustrate it this way.
All right, Felix, we're going to start right where we, where we were in the first place. You got bills, you got future, you got fun, and you got to go to work. So can you go to work for me? All right. Now here's what I want you to do. Before you, before you just start throwing it out, because see, this is what happens. This is what God wants to interrupt, by the way. The reason why God is so passionate about this is he wants to interrupt the rhythm that says, oh, there's a need, I gotta go back to work and fill it up. Another need, gotta go back to work and fill it up. And what happens is we become blind to the ways that we have rearranged our faith life to start worshiping these idols and God wants to interrupt that and try to bring a different perspective and a different rhythm. So Felix, here's what I need you to do. I need you to count these, all of them. I found it was most helpful to dump it on the ground and do that. You can do it how you want, but you can't fill these up count all of these and then I'll come back because when we keep in this rhythm when we keep in this cycle then 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 we will buy into this lie and this belief I can't afford to give to God but here's what I begin to learn I begin to realize that I can't put a price tag on a good night's sleep I began to realize that I can't put a price tag on realizing that if I would practice some more faith and practice some discernment, the spirit of God were to lead me, that I could actually avoid making some of those stupid decisions with zeros attached to it. I've begun to realize that in seasons of life where everything is chaotic all around me, I can't put a price tag on the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You see, it's not about the money. It's about our trust. And when we're unwilling to trust God with our money because we believe that we can't afford to give to God, then what we're demonstrating is, God, I don't believe I can trust you with this little thing called my money. And if I can't trust you with this little thing called my money, then how are we ever going to believe that we can trust God with a broken marriage? How are we ever going to learn that we can learn to trust God with a broken relationship with a parent or a child? How are we going to learn that we can trust God with our career decisions and and our life decisions? How can a teenager learn to trust God with the decisions they're making about what are you going to do after school? How are we ever going to learn to be able to, to trust God to overcome addiction? How are we going to learn to trust and believe that God can can take away our anxiety and our depression, that he can lead us to joy? You see, it's not about the money. It's about our hearts. And it's about our hearts and these tangible things, the most tangible of things. To say, God, I trust you more than I'm trusting in myself more than I'm trusting in my boss to give me the promotion, more than I'm trusting in in, in my ability to just have the right thing to say at the exact right time to hopefully try to overcome the conflict in this relationship. How do we do that? Jesus says where your heart is, there your treasure is. Where your treasure goes reveals where your worship goes. Where your worship goes reveals what you trust most. Felix, how many you got? 62. 62. And here's what I want you to do, brother. I'll hold this. And I want you to pull six out. You see, what happens when we put this in practice, we begin to give of our first fruits to God. It forces us to stop the cycle of the grind and remember where it comes from. And here's what happens 
When we take the first portion, and I chose 10% because that's kind of the principle. It doesn't, maybe for you it doesn't start with 10%, but you take the first portion of it. Felix, can you, can you give that to God? You see, when we begin to think of it that way, I mean, you still got a whole bunch in there, don't you? By my math, that's about 90%. I grew up in Arkansas, but I think even I got that right. And see, here's what happens. I'll let you hold this. God now begins to give us wisdom, especially in seasons where we feel financially constrained and say, God, I'm trusting in you because you're the one that's going to have to lead us out of it. And God goes, thank you. Now I'm going to give you some wisdom because now you were paying some of those bills, right? So you got your, your car and your gas and, and your cell phone and all that stuff, right? But then God will start to help you realize like maybe you don't need to spend $120 a month at Starbucks. Maybe you don't need seven streaming services. Did that hit close to home? I'm sorry, man. Maybe you don't need a 48th pair of shoes. What God does, he begins to give you wisdom to discern between what are really your needs and things that are your wants. And God begins to respond to your faith with blessings of wisdom and discernment. And, and now you're going to give some to your future. If, if you're in a season and window where you can do that, go ahead and give some to your future. And, and, and there's going to be seasons, can I just be honest with you? There's going to be seasons where the fun bucket's going to be really empty. And it's not because God doesn't want you to have joy in your life. Is because sometimes the reason we live in the financial constraints that we live in is because we've been putting too much in the fun bucket and not enough in the faith bucket. And as we get our life on track and God becomes, begin, we begin to learn that we can trust God with our finances, then you'll have seasons where you can absolutely have some, have some fun, brother. And what you'll realize, you got some left, don't you? What you'll begin to realize is that at a moment where you once lived in all of this financial panic, you'll begin to experience financial peace because you trusted God when he said, without faith, without trusting me, you can't please me. But if you would trust me, I would bless you. And I will bless you by doing exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that you could ever ask or think or imagine. Jessica and I in our life and in our marriage have experienced blessings that we never could have fathomed. But I believe, and I can't prove it to you emphatically, but I believe that so many of the things that we've experienced and so many of the pitfalls that we have avoided has been because to the best of our ability, we have constantly tried to say, God, we're trusting you first. We're prioritizing you first. We're saying in our finances, we are preaching to ourselves. It's not about what I want all the time. It's not about gimme, gimme, gimme. It's not about just chase every desire. It's God, I'm going to take a step of faith. And as we do, we begin to realize that not only can we not afford to not give to God, that when we start giving to God, we begin to realize that we can't outgive God. And he will begin to provide excess, maybe not always in dollars and cents, but provide excess of joy and peace and victory and freedom that we are so desperately longing for that money can never buy. 
Felix, thank you, brother. Would you give it up for Felix one more time? Appreciate you, brother. trying to help you see today that if you will take steps of faith, steps that show in the tangible with your finances, maybe for you it's you start giving, or maybe you, you, need, to, you need to bump up your giving and, 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 and whatever that looks like, that what God wants you to know in new ways, in ways that you don't know right now, is that God is good. That the Bible says that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. That he has good plans. That Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that, that I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. But in all of my ways, in all of my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. And what is the promise of Proverbs 3, 6? And then God will direct your path to help you navigate the problems and opportunities and issues and situations in life. Church, I am desperate for you to experience the God of Ephesians 3.20 in your life in this season. And what God wants you to listen, there may be other, there are absolutely other roadblocks that get in the way of us believing this, but I do not believe that there is a roadblock more tangible and more controllable by us than our finances. I'm desperate for you to be able to experience the power of God, the thing you have been asking for and praying for. I am desperate for you to experience the exceeding and abundant beyond that that God is able to do. You see, the issue is not, God, are you able? That's not the question. The question is, are you willing to trust that he can? My hope and prayer for you today is that as you leave this place, you would leave here with a heart and a posture of humility and gratitude that you would just go to God and say, God, where am I not trusting you first? And what would it look like in this season to put you first in my finances so that I can put into practice this thing that, that, that your word teaches me about trusting in you? And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, I want you to know emphatically the only thing that God wants from you is your sin and your shame and your guilt. That's why Jesus came and lived and died and he rose from the grave to pay the ransom for you to be set free from that, sh that cell of shame and guilt and fear and addiction and bondage be set free into new life because our God is a giver. At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you've found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.